Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 192. Uh, we got the whole gang back with us this week, so we're excited to jump in some topics and get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. Uh, I do this podcast and very little else. He doesn't actually play games or watch movies. He just does the podcast, right? That's correct. Okay, cool. All right, Bate, you're up. Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Bate, and I am the, uh, the podcast resident Florida man. Uh, I play Eve mostly. What'd you think of that? Uh, I don't think about it, but that big battle that happened in Eve is that? Oh my like, god, dude! So it, it was it was really interesting, um, uh, and and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit um, in the show. But it was really interesting getting messages from people that I know uh, in real life that see my that see me always playing Eve on Discord, and they're like, "Hey, are you seeing what's happening on Eve?" I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, up until like the day of, and they were in. People were starting to like ask me questions about you know what was going on, this, that, and the other stuff. It, it, it's always really fun um, when when Eve uh, makes it to uh, mainstream networks, I guess if you will, like CNBC, um, uh, like the game did for uh, this big battle in uh, Nine Tech Four. So good on Eve. All right, sounds good, man. And Jay, you're up. Yep, my name's Jay. I'm also one of the uh, one of the co-hosts here on Biomast, and I'm gonna go into Professor Peabody's way back machine here. And when we first started the show, uh, we were kind of we were trying a lot of different things out for intros and all this other kind of kind of neat stuff. So what uh, what I started doing 192 episodes ago was basically I would come up with some random factoid for whatever the number of the episode was, and I tried to carry that forward. So my go-to initially was. Uh, the periodic table like it's just a, a random a random thing that i actually uh had had memorized pretty well uh up to a certain point you know that i, I stopped messing around with it in uh at university so i was able for a large part of the initial like year of the sh- well you know year almost a year and a half of the show to uh to, to give you something about whatever the the number of the show was based on you know the the periodic table so i was struggling because i was like hey guys i'm back so what's the what's the show number and they were like we're on 192 and i'm making notes and i looked up and i'm like i don't i don't have you know i don't really know anything for 192 i've gotten pretty good with these things i can usually make a connection to something that i've seen or done to the number and i didn't have anything then suddenly you know the old uh, the old brain kicked in the older part of my brain kicked in and i was like 192 that is uh the number of iridium-192 is actually a, radio t- a, a radioactive isotope that gives off gamma rays. Uh, it's predominantly a gamma ray producer, and it's used in uh, medical applications. So that's my call back to the way back uh, with a little bit of periodic table uh, voodoo there for episode 192. And I'm here to talk about whatever. Fantastic. All right. And I'm also Pokey Draven. I help host the show here. And uh, my voice is, for the most part, recovered. I was pretty bad last week, feeling pretty good this week. So I'm looking forward to actually, you know, talking and not sounding like I've been gargling dry coffee all week. So. I-, I was actually told you had a raspy, smoky, sort of jazzy voice. Uh... <laughs> Opposed to my usual pansy lack of uh, uh, masculinity voice that you're so uh, accustomed to. Hey, man, millennials got to have a day, man. <laughs> There we go. All right, guys. So that sounds pretty good. So let's get started here. Uh, this is actually kind of interesting because we have a, a bit of discussion last week regarding uh, Epic Games. And Epic Games is the producer of the Unreal 4 engine, which is used by 
a lot of different game companies as a kind of a third party uh, game engine. And they've produced a few games of their own, um, some with varying success. And so one game that they had produced a bit early on was called Paragon. And Paragon was a MOBA title, hero based over the shoulder shooter thing where you go around and try to guide your, the, your little minions. The thing to... that Overwatch killed and they just now admitted it. <laughs> well, it was funny because we, we talked about it last week where, because uh, Epic had also produced uh, Fortnite and then came out with Fortnite Battle Royale, which was kind of the PUBG knockoff, right? And they even said, yeah, when we released Fortnite Battle Royale, it kind of murdered what was left of Paragon's numbers. Like, we kind of killed our own game with releasing uh, Fortnite. Well, I, I don't think it was so much the players, like, that the player base moved, but that the they moved developers because of the difference in success. Gotcha. Yeah, I, th- so, I, I think that's a... I'm just, I just... Donnie, when you were saying that, I pulled up um, the actual... Like title screen for the open la- the open beta launch on PS4, like for Paragon. Just looking at the screen, uh, there's a character that looks exactly like Winston, a character look- that looks exactly like Mercy, a character that looks exactly like Soldier 76. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And I was like, and it came out. Correct me if I'm wrong. It came out around the same time that Overwatch did, didn't it? Or it was a little. It's not too far after because I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is an Overwatch clone. Yeah, it was kind of that that time period where you had Overwatch and uh, Battleborn and Paragon kind of yeah all yeah Battleborn was the other one, yeah right and the game you know it had varying levels of success and they changed some things and Zarya if anyone remembers her from the Dust oh, yeah. before this yeah. you know she she's a huge fan of Paragon and had some choice words about you know some large updates that they did and, and how it was kind of killing off the player base and so we we were talking about this last week that you had. Paragon was kind of failing, Fortnite Battle Royale was doing really well, and we kind of had a discussion saying, like, well, do you think they'll ever shift focus back to Paragon? Fortnite Battle Royale starts to kind of drop off, and they decide that it's better to spend those assets elsewhere. Well, it came out a couple days ago. Uh, They are shutting Paragon down. Like, it's dead. It's gone. They're just abandoning it entirely, which is something that I think a lot of people might have kind of seen coming. So, obviously, no, they're never going to move resources back there. which is unfortunate for those who like the game. But the really incredible thing is, is that they are offering a full refund on everything for the entire life of the game. So if you spent That's money crazy. on this game at any point in its lifespan, you're getting that money back or you can file to get that money back. And um, that's regardless of platform, however long it's been, however much it was, all the money that they've ever made on the game, they're basically offering back. And I think, think the game never left beta which might be kind of why they're going with that since they never actually delivered on a product per se i mean obviously uh, they're playing it, oh, we did. let me let me let me riddle, just let me throw this out there and i i absolutely have clearly none of us have any inside information on any of this shit but let me let me just posit this if you've looked back at the last i don't know five months on the absolute ass whipping that major titles have that major game developer studios have taken, like also financially, not just public relations wise, but you know the corresponding fin- you know financials that are hitting on that. Because there's some news on that too. It would not surprise me if they were like, "Hey, we got a really really good game going over here with Fortnite. We're we're we can do something with this. Let's not screw it up by throwing a dirt ball at it when we tank a bunch of players on Paragon." I don't know. That probably is not a deciding factor, but I guarantee you that somebody in the room was talking about that. Uh, probably. Um, but I mean, it's it's also just like when you think about it, the amount of they will they will take Paragon 
basically is a complete loss. Like they were discussing that at some points they had as many as I think a hundred developers working on Paragon and they will have made no money. They will probably have ended. They they will have lost all of the money that they did make because they'll be giving it back. And then the other thing is, uh, if uh, it was bought through like PlayStation or Xbox, and the platform takes a cut, uh, they're going to be refunding directly from based on like what it, people paid themselves. So they're going to end up taking all the share that the the consoles got as a loss as well. This is a huge amount of money they're th- they're throwing out. Um, and, and that's, I think is kind of significant. Yeah. I, it makes me kind of want that either tells me that Fortnite is doing, you know, financially much better than I thought it was. And I, I certainly didn't think it was doing bad or they, there, there might've been some sort of legalistic problem that they, that they would get into if they sought to just kind of, as they say, take the money and run. I, I, and, and to be honest with you, and I think I mean, Pokey was mentioning this on one of our you know, pre-show chats. I'll be straight with you. I, like, I would have thought nine out of ten times any game company that I know would have been like, hey, guys, we're bringing this one to a close. Like, had a great time. Paragon just didn't work out. Deuces. And they would have, like, not said a peep about giving money back. And that's what I would have expected is, you know, hey, you know, we're going to shut off any monetization and you won't be able to purchase it until the shutdown date. Um, and not offering any refunds, like, you know, the value you sunk into it, you know, effectively got by playing the game, but we're not going to buy stuff up in Thalworks to take it away. So the fact that they're offering refunds at all is kind of surprising, but the fact that they're going the whole thing is like, whoa, you know, I'm sure there's, there's the PR aspect of it as well, but you, I wouldn't expect this really from any developer nowadays, the crap you see happening, kind of these cash grabs that pop up. It's also possible they just make so much money licensing Unreal now that they really don't care. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's probably part of it too. I mean, Unreal's being used by major studios. Square Enix, I've mentioned, they're doing their Final Fantasy VII remake and Kingdom Hearts three, both on Unreal four, and those are going to be huge titles for that company. And Square's no slouch; they they they're a very large company, and you know, two of their biggest blockbusters coming out using Unreal. That's some really good license. I'm pretty sure Unreal gets a, a percentage cut of all sales if you use their engine. Um, it it depends. I mean, point. if you're at a there there's a there's like a base fee plus share for like anyone to use Unreal, but obviously if you're a big studio, you probably have a private negotiating well, term, anyways. But still, you know they're they're going to be making bank off of stuff like that, and and Square Enix is certainly this. So, like you said, I think Epic is just like, uh, eh, well, you know, we tried, we made a really good looking game, it just work out, but we're probably very stable. You know, they've got a product that everyone's using. It's a good product. Now, have they said that they were going to shut off monetization? Did they say that in the uh, in the little um, blog thing that they posted? Well, arguably, you could spend it and then request a refund anyway, so. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's, that's the point to make, is that it's by request only. So, <laughs> chances are, if you spent five bucks on the game, you may or may not go through the effort of actually requesting a refund, because you just may not care. So, you know, they'll they'll get to keep that. So, I mean, it's not like 100% of everything is going to be going back. But, there's know, there's no way they gonna... won't have taken a huge loss, though, oh, on oh, the absolutely. overall project. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still going to be a huge loss. But, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see every single player requesting a refund. You'll have the people that dropped, you know, 25 bucks plus you know probably going eh, that's that's a decent amount of cash back but for the the people that are just throwing you know pocket change out that probably not cares you know 
that's just one one thing to think of. But yeah, I don't think they're they're shutting off monetization bait. As as I'll put, you could just request a refund at the last minute if you wanted to. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a deadline on the refund, but it looks like it be shut down until 26th of this year. There's still some time. There's still, well, I guess, about three months from, uh, about when this came out. So you know, there's there's certainly fair notice. People should be aware of what's going on as they you know approach the end of the the deadline there. Now, it, I guess it's safe to assume that the Paragon devs are going to are going to be shifted over to um, um, Fortnite. Uh, I don't that, know. It's kind of what they imply. Them, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they're obviously... most of them already have. There's probably like five or six people. Oh. I can't fathom them saying, "Well, we're going to do a layoff of the five or six people left on Paragon." The, yeah, yeah. We'll find something. It's in, in kind of to Jay's point. I think Fortnite Battle Royale is kind of an accidental success. They had built this engine for their e-gameplay, and they're like, "Let's just throw together multiplayer and see if it works." And they just kind of tossed it out there for free, and it just went crazy because it's it's very approachable. It's not difficult to learn, and it's free, which PUBG is not. So if you want to try battle royale style game and don't necessarily want to sink any money into it you're going to go to fortnite before you go to pubg Just try it now you may not stay there but they've probably got the opening market share and you kind of want to test the waters and that's so i think that they weren't expecting it to go as well as it did but obviously it's taken off to a point where they're like we're moving a large portion of our student game to, to support okay so moving along uh Zell. Overwatch updates. What's going on, man? So, uh, yeah, this is a, a pretty big patch. They added the Blizzard World map, uh, which new maps for Overwatch are extremely rare. So this was a, a big thing to begin with. It was the Blizzard World map that they showed off a couple of months ago. Um, but then the other thing that was interesting was they added like a hundred different uh, cosmetic items to the game uh, that aren't part of any event pool. They just literally expanded the amount of things you can get from random loot boxes, um, which is really about time. Um, almost every new item they've added has been part of a limited time event box or like because a new hero had to have cosmetics available. So they'd add for that. Um, I like I might have forgotten one, but I would almost go so far as to suggest this might be the first time they've added to the like base items in the game so now i assume this is not just skins voice line gestures up yeah like skins that, right? voice lines highlight intros all that sprays um but uh yeah they, they got a lot of crud for uh there was there's an event that they run i think in maybe april uh called uprising and there was a lot of complaint that the uprising skins weren't really holiday specific and that people felt like that they should have been adding more stuff to the base you know the base available pile of stuff and so this is this is kind of the first time they i recall that they've done that and they did uh did it pretty well there's quite a lot there sounds good it could be good it could be bad i mean when they add a lot of stuff like sprays and stuff i don't is the general assumption that people don't really care for those and they're just kind of there to blue pool mm -hmm. I, I haven't really heard a, I don't know about you, Zilla, I haven't really heard anybody remark one way or the other on the spray. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're very low key. I mean, the thing is, is you do need like, you know, it, basically sprays, voice lines, etc. Those are common items. And for the most right. part, skins I can range from uh, rare to epic to legendary. Um, most highlight intros, I believe, are epic. Um, you know, you need some common stuff. And, and that's where sprays and stuff tend to be i would say generally the more valuable the two most valuable things obviously the skin is by far the most but then 
the, some of the voice lines you can get are, you know, they're kind of cool because you actually hear them in game. Whereas, you know, then probably followed by that, you know, there's a deep taper after that is, you know, like the, uh, the poses or the intro, you know, the different pose type things you can do, which is really just for the little cinematic piece that you get. And then obviously the spray. So I, in terms of, I don't think it's a dilution of the loop pool, but you just need other, you just need a, a lot of stuff. And I, and I think it's fine. I mean, nobody minds it. And I, and for, for all the hate that everybody else throws on the loot box system, the only the, the one that I think gets it the most right is probably Blizzard. Like you don't feel like you're pressed for loot boxes. You, there's nothing behind it other than something that makes your dude or dudette look a little different or sound a little different on the screen. You know, and it is kind of cool. And you get them frequently enough without paying for them that it's you know it. it it's kind of okay, you know, so I don't yeah. think it's a big deal. Well, and, and Blizzard does get it pretty right. I think Here's the Storm does it a lot better, and I wish Overwatch would pick up Here's the Storm's mechanics, especially the, the re-roll mechanic, um, because it's just more satisfying. Um, but, uh, you know, the big thing is, is Overwatch only has so many items, and if you've played enough that you start, you know, because there is no way to re-roll it, if you... If you've played a lot, if you're level 150 plus, you know, you're going to open a loot box and half your half the stuff you get is going to be duplicates. So them just expanding the base pool actually is really a significant improvement for, um, you know, long time players. That sounds pretty legit. So that's, that's as long as you know it's something that the players are the positive updating. They know that's kind of a big part of we'll call it progression, but it's it's the reward system, I guess. Is that's good to hear. So a game that we've talked about in the past a little bit, but haven't really discussed in a while, is Anthem. Are you guys familiar with that one? Yes, it is yes. EA's supposed Destiny killer slash new slot machine game that they're yeah. looking to put out. So. <laughs> Uh, apparently the game has been delayed um, a while. Shocker. I'm surprised, you know. Uh, and the, the, the way they, they, they spun it was is that they're doubling down on making a make-or-break make title. So I'll get your opinion, but think that this has anything to do with how much emphasis Destiny 2 has on a loot box system and how much in the trailer we saw for Anthem, there was like a loot box thing that popped up and that was like a I, focus. I don't, I don't think it was about Overwatch at all. I think it was about EA Star Wars Battlefront getting the shit pushed in. <laughs> well, and, I, I, and yeah. that was right after they didn't do well. Like this is more directly, um, this is Bioware, right? That's correct. Yeah. So this is also in the, in the end of uh, aftermath of Mass Effect Andromeda. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was, I, this was like the perfect storm. I, I think that there are, it, it does not surprise me at all that Anthem was pushed back for any number of reasons. Um, but from what I can tell, there is, it, I guarantee you, there is somebody at EA who's like, let's not do that shit again like we did back in like October. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think you were on point. You said a couple of weeks ago, Jay, that the most influential thing was Star Wars Battlefront 2 because of everything yeah. spinning around it and how it's going to affect things moving forward. And I think so, it's, it's probably fair to say that you know, this is... Uh, an interesting, just on a, a, a very related note, I think, to this, um, if kind of quietly, both EA and... Um, uh, God, Makers of Destiny, help me out. Uh, thank you. Their financials came back and they were both downgraded. How bad? Uh, uh, Bungie took Bungie took a noticeable hit. They they took a noticeable percentage drop. That I can't remember EA, but it mentioned that their financials had been had been downgraded. It was this was pr 
probably mid-January when this happened. So it was probably the numbers of December when the loot box thing was, or you know, when the whole kerfuffle was at high gear. Uh, but that tells me that if it moves bars from a financial standpoint, if it's that bad and, and those two were that bad, um, that's going to make people reevaluate how they put out games. Because I think... I think what basically happened is like you had the steady rise of monetization in these former what you would traditionally call AAA single buy games, which are never single buy anymore. And they they reached real, real, real hard on that monetization piece very aggressively. They still haven't really fixed it, in all fairness, particularly the pay to win piece. They and I guarantee you that there was some form of that in Anthem. Guaranteed. And uh, they are probably having to rework that significantly uh, in terms of like how, like whatever that mechanic is or how what their payout scaler is. They they were doing some readjusting to that because everybody's just watched how two high high profile marquee games in Battlefront and Destiny took off like a rocket for about two weeks and then crashed hard and and frankly haven't recovered. I, I mean I'm a big Destiny fan, but that game. They have about a million things they got to fix in that thing. And Star Wars Battlefront, if you look at the numbers on both those games, they are like seller. You would think that those Bad. games had been out for like over a year and like the player base just evaporated. Yeah, we talked a bit about this last week, but we touched on it. Like you said, the numbers are absolutely dismal. I think you're totally on that they were looking at Anthem. Oh, crap. We kind of have a similar business model to what we were with Battlefront 2. There's some bits of Destiny there. Uh, even like, even yeah. COD Battle, even the Call of Duty World War II was, it was not nearly as aggressive as the other two, but it was it was in there. There, was, there you, you can get you some loot boxes on that beach. Okay, look, 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 look. It's not that bad in, in Call of Duty. It I didn't really say it was is. bad, but I, I but it is that is a pervasive mechanic in pretty much every high end game now. True. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I, I, like I, it, right. I would I would say if you go back uh, a year ago, maybe even well maybe a year and a half ago, but about a year ago, the only game that was really really doing that to to any you know any like I'm talking a major game, not like a you know we're fighting to make money game, but. In a high-end AAA major game, about the only one doing it was Blizzard, uh, at least on the console type stuff. Uh, there was a few other ones that were out there that were that were they were struggling. I think Need for Speed is is like really really bad for it apparently, uh, but you didn't hear that from a lot of other big name games like Battlefield. That was not a big thing. Original Call of Duty was not a big thing. You could always pay some money into it and get some stuff, but it wasn't front and center like it became in 2017. Kind of. The crescendo was, you know, Battlefront though, or Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah, and I think there was definitely sure where to, you know, the poll and when it happened, where we shifted from, you know, you're just buying. You know, it was always cosmetics, right? And you're just buying cosmetics to you're buying a chance to get the cosmetic you want, rather than just buying a very deterministic to a very RNG style. And people kind of went with it for like, you know, Overwatch. They're like, okay, you know, fine. And then it started to do, like you said, it kind of crescendoed at the Star Wars Battlefront where it was no longer cosmetic. It was straight, you know, gameplay advantage. And, you know, that's that was what kind of everyone was like, whoa, slow down, back off. Like, we're not cool with the way things are going. You've gone way past what we were comfortable. Now they're scrambling to roll it back. And with Anthem, that was probably a big part of, of what they were doing, especially at EAs. And, you know, where you'd have probably a campaign and then you've got, you know, loot boxes. I mean, they made a big deal in the in the trailer, like, oh, I got this loot box, and I'm like, I bet your ass you could buy those things, you know, with cash. The guarantee that there's some way you can get 
something like that that's going to give you a gun or an armor or whatever in game and that's going to be a big part of the gameplay and like once i saw stuff with battlefront 2 i'm like i'm not touching it until that thing comes out and i can see what they're actually market trust is gone and they could even be delaying it because they're like we don't want to put it too close to all of this stuff we want to kind of push it out you know some people forget about it because gamers are pretty apathetic. They've got a short memory. Um, but dropping that stuff, you know, six months after Battlefront 2, that would be really, really... Well, I mean, it's it's not like it's that big of a delay uh, as far as when Anthem was originally going to come out, from what I understand. It's like a three-month delay or something, if I, if I, I remember. I gone that I mean, specific. I think it's like they, a, just, they, they just kind of mentioned it was, it was like late second quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I got the impression it's like two or three months. Like I, it, I, I don't remember. I think Bates right. I don't think they specifically said, but I, it was. It didn't seem like it was a like a like. Hey, we're moving it six months kind of thing. Well, it was like the game was supposed to come out fall. I think of. Um, oh, okay, fall of, of this year. Um, and now it's just being moved to like that first that first uh, first quarter of 2019. So I mean, you know, any anywhere between what three to six months, I guess. It, I mean, okay. that doesn't seem like a very, it, 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 the delay doesn't seem uh, significant enough to um, to 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 try and be separating itself from from all this uh, loot box uh, uh, scandal that that's going on. I guess. Yeah, I can buy that. So I guess you are right. They are saying team. Mm-hmm. Um, some analysts are saying that they probably try to get it in March that fiscal year. So that's yeah. If I had to guess, I would say probably mid February. Maybe is 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 when uh, if I had to guess uh, it, it would come out. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm sure some of it has to do with um, with the loot boxes. You know, uh, Destiny Two style uh, thing that they had going on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if EA, you know, after the game came out, was like, yeah, that's why we delayed it. Um, I, I I don't think a, a, lot, a lot of it has to do with um, some of the issues we saw with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, I think the loot box uh, stuff is more more why they did it, but what yeah. do I know? Well, I think for Andromeda too, but I think that was they ran out of time because we're trying to pursue the game in one particular fashion that worked, and they were kind of scrammed to throw it together, and, and that's what you got. I don't think that this is the case here. I think I'll be reworking. Something. I, I just think it's more from a finance standpoint. They realize they can't have a third major train wreck in a row. Yeah. No. No. I think I think you're. I think Zell's on it. Yeah, I, I would suggest just from you know my expert video game buying experience. Uh, don't pre-order like <laughs> no. be extremely cautious and don't don't buy it like a week after wait like yeah no shit wait like wait like weeks weeks to a month yeah wait i keep saying the game and then see would, how it actually goes i keep yeah. saying never pre-order games and people here keep pre-ordering games so Almost someday later, but we'll tell you why that's great later uh I, now i will say this there's i've got some i've i've definitely you know i tend to pre-order games anyway because yeah, for on some on some cases, but what I would not do, like for example, no matter what, like just because I'm on this podcast for the most part, there's some games that I will buy purely because I I want to play them just to experience them and then be able to like discuss them somewhat intelligently. Uh, I, it's a bit of an axiom on this show, but the um, I I will not buy the Uber Platinum Dilithium Double Gold, you know, fucking Fairy Dust editions. 
that give you like the extra glimmery thing on your belt or what, you know, like some kind of jazz like that. Just pre-ordering the base game, if it's a game that you are fairly confident you're going to get is okay. Where I think it jumps the shark is you can literally pay double the amount of the game, quite literally, for whatever the the premium high-end version of the pre-order is for essentially some extra ones and zeros in the game that often don't really help you that much. Um, You know, even if you're getting like the, you know, legendary plus five sort of like, you know, you know, face chopping or whatever, that's usually only something that helps you in the first like couple levels of, you know, like little bit of a game. And then you quickly outloot it or something like that. You you get something in exchange for it later, very, very quickly. Uh, So I I wouldn't worry too much about that kind of stuff, but I think pre-ordering base base model games is is probably relatively acceptable unless they are made by a studio that you that you 100% can identify with all their other games. So it's such as EA, uh, BioWare. Uh, there's a few other ones out there. Naughty Dog is kind of a little bit, a little bit better reputation, but any kind of big, big, big title, I'm probably not pre-ordering, you know, or at least I'm looking for the initial reviews coming out from some other actually in the know, like media audience before I, I fucking put some money down on that. Just... Just throwing that out there. I've I've been burned a couple times by this, you know, in in the past. I don't know, uh, man. Yeah. I'm pretty happy pre-ordering my eight hundred dollar uh, Ubisoft game. It's got a statue. It does. That's that's the important part. You can get your twelve inch model. <sighs> hey, man. I, you know, I'll tell you what. Here's here's the thing. What, what I wish Ubisoft would do is they would like if you pre-ordered and then you stick with them for however long it takes them to fix the game that came out broken that you pre-ordered that you get a special prize or something because that I mean I, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago but those dudes are the absolute masters of fixing a train wreck game. I don't know how it works but if you look like historically like they put out games that have a lot of bugs, have a lot of real problems in the games itself, like core problems in the games and they like absolutely I don't know French Canadian willpower, like a lot of Wolverines and shit up there. I don't know, but they fight through that and actually make some pretty, pretty badass games. But it usually takes them about a year after its release to get it to get it there. Now I, I can't explain it to you. Whereas a lot of other companies absolutely cut bait and uh, no, no pun intended, and uh, they absolutely will go into almost like uh, life support making money mode. Ubi actually dumps resources into those games and more often than not fixes them. You wish they would do that before the game came out, but I'm just yeah. throwing it out there. Well, I, I have been pretty pretty happy um, as far as feeling like the past couple of um, Ubisoft games I've bought have been done. Uh, so, I mean, but, you know, that's just me. I am just one person. Um, uh, I, I can't remember if... Um, uh, what was the most recent Ghost Recon game that came out? That, that didn't Wildlands. Have, yeah, that didn't have too many problems at launch. Uh, any, did they? they? They struggled a little bit. Did they? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. It wasn't bad, but it, it was well. It was one that you. I think the game itself, the, the, mechanically, I don't think there was a lot of problems, but there was a lot of uh, issues with like the things that you were doing in the game, like the task you were doing in the game, oh, and, and okay. some other. There's okay. some other things like that, but they've definitely like fixed a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. okay i will say if any game should out game mode wildlands because oh, the oh, that'd built be, is pretty cool pretty good it's pretty good like crawling through the jungle that i don't like battle royale games but i could do real well for that yeah that would be pretty cool 
Okay, so moving along here, one quick thing I know that we kind of talked about. Let's go. God of War uh, got a release date and a new trailer. So the game is being released on the 20th. It's actually Word. pretty close. Uh, I didn't know that this game was a PlayStation 4 exclusive. I thought that it that was... That I did not know either. Platform. Yeah, it's being published by Sony, PlayStation. Yeah, God of War has, uh, is, as always, as far as I'm aware, been PlayStation exclusive. Really? Always you been are correct now that I think about that, baby. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely yeah. spot on. Yeah, because um, I think it's... Um, Oh shit! Who makes that? Sony Santa Monica makes that game, or yes. makes yep. that series. So yep. they, yeah. I mean, there's of course that would be that would be exclusive. So, yeah. Now this one, I, I'm actually, I, I will say, it is at least everything that I've been able to tell from the like the the videos they're releasing, the gameplay footage. The they've got some really extensive interviews with the developer, with like the game directors and developers going through it. It. This one's shaping up to look at to look pretty solid. It's definitely it. This is a different God of War game, but I'm pretty excited for it now that we got a, a date. Yeah, I, I this would be a good time I think for me to probably hop in and actually give it a shot. I, I tend to prefer more story driven games, and this just by all the the stuff they've released, you can tell it rewards that. You know, trying to have like meaningful connections between characters. I think it looks pretty legit, and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to this gameplay recording on it and see how it goes. It looks good. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's probably a, a very safe thing if you want to pre-order this one. That one probably is. I looked yeah. at the, I looked, yeah. they did release the, they released the, uh, the PS4 pre-order uh, information. Oh, did they? There's, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of frills. I mean, you can upgun it a little bit, get like a, like a skin for your shield or something like that, you know, but there's not, there's not a lot of Christmas ornaments that they're hanging on this one compared to some of the other games that, that, that have been out recently. So I, and I'm going to call this now. I'm, we can write this on the uh, the Biomass uh, digital whiteboard. Uh, I think God of War might be. This is my prognostication right now. That's like it's. It'll be an early contender for Game of the Year in 2018. Probably. Yeah, probably. yeah and it looks like if you do want to, like Jay said, upgrade there, they've got a did for seventy. Oh, it's just ten dollars more than the base price. Extra ones and zeros in your gameplay. But like you guys said, is a single player game. I think in most cases mm-hmm. those are probably pre order. I think a lot of the, the BS that you find is usually in multiplayer games, but you know, use your best judgment on this one. But I think, yeah, I think no, that's you, pretty true though. Yeah. But I think this one's pretty safe from, from what we've seen. It looks of good quality and the stuff they're saying I'm, I like, and it doesn't reek of the usual, you know, lip service you tend to get. So hey, $70 okay. isn't a bad price for a well, deluxe edition. I, I mean, if you think about it, games are kind of climbing up there anyway, slowly in price. I mean, they're, you know, that's well, that's about what I expect to, to pay when you go to GameStop and you drop some cash on you're getting almost seventy bucks now. I was say, yeah. So I got a random question for you. Um and I know I'm kinda of jumping forward to you want to talk a little bit of Monster Hunter World, but that's in beta, right? No, that's fully released. Oh, okay. So I, but they had a beta that released, didn't they? Uh yeah, oh, they what? had three different betas that you could play on PS. So but so this is this is interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. So when you release a game on beta and it's good you can pre-order then, I think, and you can get a. If you like it during the beta, you can drop a, a pre-order to get all the extra ones and zeros, so to speak, as we're calling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually a pretty safe model. And the only time I've ever seen that happen is when the developer knows that their game doesn't suck. Uh, like I've, I've seen that with a few games where there's a beta, and then there's still, you know, like if you sign up during the beta or like during window, you get like some extra special stuff or whatever. But there's a window of time usually between the beta and the full release that you can still quote unquote pre-order, and you get some of the you know the you know sort of in-game benefits you you know, from the pre-order concept. Uh, 
I I have a lot more. Uh, I feel a lot safer about a game. When, you know, obviously, once you see it in beta, you feel a lot safer about it. And particularly on console, watching the games that get released on beta and then playing through them, you learn a lot about them. Not just the gameplay and whether you like them or not, but you can know very, very quickly whether that game's going to be good or not. Uh, so, for example, in, in Battlefront, a lot of the problems in Battlefront were figured out very quickly during the beta when people just like, oh, I don't know, start doing math. Uh, I've seen that in a lot of other games where they would like put that short beta out and they would figure out you know something other than tuning, you know, like you know actually you know like polish so to speak. But if there's like a core problem in a game where there's like something serious, that it's figured out really really quickly in beta by players, and it spreads like wildfire over the interwebs. So like I, I I've been kind of I have not played Monster Hunter World, but the fact that it was in, I, I was pretty sure it was in a very pretty extended beta period. I didn't realize it was a couple, but that bodes very well for that game. And I think the, the initial reviews will probably play that out. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about it more. But you said that the developer is confident. I will absolutely, the developer in different interviews, they are extremely confident about the quality of the game. It helps that it's like the fifth major title in the Monster Hunter series. So they've kind of figured this shit out um, over the better part of a decade and a half. Um, and so they're just like, yeah, we know what we're doing. We're just going to keep doing it a little bit better each time. And it, it definitely, and they're, they're not afraid to just go, yep, here's it. Here it is. Here's the whole game, you know, or not the whole game, but you know, here's our beta. And it really gives you a good look of what you're going to be dealing with. And so far from what I can tell, what I expected from the beta is exactly what I'm getting game. And it, it feels really good. So we'll touch on that in a little bit here, but I did want to talk a bit about Destiny 2. Uh, I, was, I went kind of in depth with it last week. Uh, Jay wasn't kind of talking about communication out of Bungie regarding the game. Uh, just kind of quick news update. Uh, we had talked a bit about having the Masterwork armor being added. That's coming this January update. It might, it might be on Tuesday, I think it's launched. Uh, yeah, it's this week. I, I, yeah, yeah, Tuesday. I think Tuesday is usually their release date. Yeah, so Masterwork armor, basically each piece of Masterwork, you've got that piece plus 3% damage when your super is active, uh, up to 50% for all five pieces. You know, depending on which class you're playing, that's going to be either awesome or eh. For me, it's kind of eh, I think for Jay. Um, for some class, it's going to be absolutely nightmare, though, because when Stormcallers come rolling out with 15% more HP, it's just going to be a nightmare EP, but... You know, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely your mileage may vary, though. Yeah, cause I, mean, I, I play Night Stalker, so, I mean, yeah. you know, my super's active for a second and a half. I guess I'll be slightly harder to kill during that time period, but... And you usually play Voidwalker, right? Yeah, I, I for for the most part, um, you know, Stormcaller is kind of the easy PvE mix, but I really uh, always like the Voidwalker builds. The uh, but so that's you just jump jump up and throw like a big purple softball at somebody, so it's kind of it's kind of over. Yeah, um, I feel like I never. Uh, and they're also adding the raid armor uh, is getting some perks, wicked bonuses to specific things while you're only. So I I think one of the examples was twenty five percent damage to all solar abilities while you're in the raid. This is something that was kind of in Destiny One. We're familiar with like for example. The Vault of Glass raid, uh, the armor you got from there, it was like bonus damage to the Oracle mechanic. And uh, this is kind of along with similar thing. It's just a mod now instead of a perk. You just slot in a raid mod to that raid armor because it has the slot for it. And that will give you that that amped up bonus specifically raid. So, you know, yay, we've patched in something from Destiny 1 that probably should have been there from the get-go. But, you know, here you go. The um, I, Just on a, on a general note... Um... I, you know, some of the armor skins, like the game looks really good. Like Destiny, for any problem that you may think it has, that game never looks, sounds, or plays shitty. You know, that 
that that's that's something that they can definitely hang their hat on. That frankly, most other games don't. They they usually get two of those three things right. You know, like a good game will get two of those three three things well. Looks good, sounds good, plays good. Pick two. That's usually what most games do. Um, the but Destiny can absolutely smack down all three of those very well. Their world building generally is it can be exceptional, you know, in, in many cases. So there's a couple things going on. Um, I, I will say this, Chris Barrett is the, he's the creative director of like, he's basically the live director. Like once the game kind of goes live, he's like kind of the, the, the head boss man guy. He's not really the, he's not, they, they kind of separate like, like a lot of studios, they separate the build team and then there's a live team. So in the kind of the games of service model, the people that did a lot of the building of the game and then get through like the first usually like the first major expansion DLC or first big update, that's one set of people. And then you have a, an integrated group that comes in that, that, that have probably been working on the game in some capacity, but they're, but they really take it and run with it in terms of the live event. So Chris Barrett is the guy who's kind of running it now, uh, probably more so I think than Luke Smith. I, I think uh, he has a major job on his hands and I will give him credit every time he, like puts a tweet out or a message out or whatever, he's hitting a lot of notes. Not unlike uh, there was a guy named CCP Rattati who was uh, kind of, he, he was sort of a, basically the, the de facto game director for Dust514. That that was a, a Viking ship that was on fire and like slowly drifting into the fucking cold water for years that all of us actually met and played on before we started the podcast. If you ever want some fun, Google that, Google that game up. So, uh, he he is a great communicator. Uh, his community directors or his community, uh, you know, reps, so to speak, are pretty decent. But that game's got some problems, um, and I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to fight out of it. Uh, they they released a one of those this week at Bungie blogs a couple weeks ago that had a massive laundry list of shit that they needed to, that they wanted to fix over the course of the year. The problem is. It, you know, it was the best thing they could put out. Here's here's no shit. Everything they laid out in that blog and in this the current one where they're talking about what they're doing with the Rise of Iron and some of the or not Rise of Iron, but the the current uh, Iron Banner and some of the little things they're doing with the like, Masterwork Armors. That is the best that they could put out, and, and none of it was necessarily bad. But any of the substantial changes that the game is absolutely desperate for won't happen till deep into 2018. And with the game already hemorrhaging players, they're in a rough spot. So the vast majority of people that I'm tracking uh, after those, after the last blog or two came out, they were like, see you in October, or I'll see you in, in a year whenever you let me know that your game doesn't suck. Um, and, and this is even people who are like, you know, major content creators on YouTube, like, you know, like 50,000, you know, 50,000 follower dudes on YouTube, which, you know, grand scheme of things is not super huge, but that's, that's, that's not insignificant. They're like, yeah, I'm kind of done with destiny, you know, for about six months until they actually fix some stuff in the game. But, um, they, they're trying, I mean, they're communicating better. I think, uh, they also took, they also kind of shot themselves in the foot this week with, uh, a tweet by one of their creative writer, like the actual writers where they referred to much of the lore and the old, old, um, Gosh, the uh, the grimoires and stuff from Destiny One and some of the carryovers as basically potentially not canon, almost like they were going to rewrite a fair amount of 
the world building that they had done actually quite successfully, which then started off like another cascading shitstorm of of people trying to figure out like, are you intentionally trying to cut the knees out of your own game? Like the part of the game that people actually enjoy, you want to take, you want to start messing with that. Um, so they're 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 in a bit of a struggle fest right now. I mean, no, but that being said, minute to minute gameplay. If you're a casual player, you know, which is not a bad word on the show, um, looks good, feels good, plays good, no problem. Uh, but if you're, uh, you know, somebody that plays, wants to play a game routinely and team up with friends and do stuff like that, really, really hard to justify coming back every week. And, and that's kind of the vibe that I, I gave last was, yeah, some of these they're planning to put in are nice, like you said. They're okay, that's nice. Like some of the stuff they're doing for events were very common sense changes, like how to handle events. And I was like, okay, you know, you kind of, you kind of got kicked in the teeth for that one. And you, you know, you're, you're working to fix it fine, but none of the stuff they're talking about, I feel is really going to fix the core reason of why I'm dissatisfied playing the game on go, you know, from start to finish, it was nice. But after that, it was, it fell flat. And in everything that they're talking about, it doesn't seem to address it falling flat. Um, and so that's why I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of done for now, you know, and like yep. a lot of those YouTubers, I'm just, I, I just don't care anymore. And, because when the communication is great, but when the communication is, well, we're not actually doing what you as a consumer feels is going to fix the game, me as a consumer is going to walk away. And I think that's where a lot of people are at right now. Alrighty, so moving along here. Uh, Bait, Subnautica, a game we've talked about, but you wanted to bring it up because I know that your your lord and savior, Ripley Riley, is a big fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being officially released. Is that right? Bait's not being. Uh, the game has been in early access for um, four years, so if you want a beta, there's he is AFK. Okay, that's yeah. not helpful. The, the, the game has been um, in early access for four years. I've actually I own the game. I've played it. It was a gift to, to kind of do rock about it in the past. Um, and it's a it's a pretty good game. It's an indie game. It has you know some visual glitches, but nothing that I felt was a game breaking. Uh, it is if you're not familiar a a solo survival game where basically spaceship crash lands on an ocean planet. So everything is in the water and you basically have to scavenge supplies, repair your escape pod, build you know, shelter, vehicles, that sort of thing. And, you know, try to survive as long as you really can. It's undergone several updates since I last played it. So the game, what it all can play it since then. Uh, but it was, it was quite good and it is now official. So we will have a link to the cinematic trailer in the show notes. You should check it out. It's pretty good. And it is $25, but it looks like if you get it in the next 40 hours, which you won't because the show won't be um, up before then, Sweet. it's uh, it's like a like 250 off. So you're not missing out on modics. But, you know, overall, it's a, it's a very solid um, indie game. This is not going to be your, you know, visual fidelity of your anthem, you know, destiny, you know, whatever. It's an indie game, but it's well made, pretty fun if you like survival games. But, you know, I do suggest it. you like that style of game. And the price point, probably about worth it. You know, it, you could wait, but I think you really like this genre. It, that is a very fair price. I, you know, I have not played that, obviously, but I, I did uh, take a look at a couple of videos of it. That's a, that's a pretty sharp looking game. I like the premise and it gets very good community reviews. Not so, so I actually pay attention to that. You can go on Steam and you can check some of that kind of stuff out or different places where you get sort of almost the Metacritic, but the uh, not so much the, re- the critic reviewers, but the community reviewers, which I tend to take, you know, pay a little bit more attention to sometimes. Um, it, it's, it's, I've heard it kind of jokingly referred to as like No Man's Ocean. Okay, like No Man's yeah. Sky, but in water, but actually done well. Does that make yeah, sense? I would agree. Okay. 
yeah, no, it's, I'm not sure if it has like the procedural generation, the same level, but each gameplay experience is different and it does kind of have that sense of exploration to branch out for it's good and terrifying sometimes because random stuff will just come out of a hole and, you know, eat you, uh, but it's, it's mm-hmm. good and enjoyable. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the, you don't usually see like aquatic survival games. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of, not a first necessarily, but the first one, it's kind of the base. So it's, it's worth looking. Okay. So, um, I'm not familiar with it. I bait was going to talk about the, uh, $8 million battle. So he's AFK right now, uh, but if he comes back, we'll have to talk about it. Uh, but I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to misspeak. If he comes that. back, if he comes back, hmm. he, he might sucked in. Ethan, yeah. He, he might not survive his, his time away. It's true. He could die. Uh, but, you know, it's it's been around the Eve battle and supposedly a million dollar battle because people love to assign dollar values to assets. The whole Plex thing. I think it's all a little silly, but it makes good headlines. So they run with it. But uh, you can look it up. A lot of information about what went down and, and I'm not familiar with it. And comfortably explain it all to the, the show here. If his ship blows up, will he come back to the podcast? Probably not, because a pops corpse in space. Bates the kind of guy that would get potted. Okay, so one thing I did kind of want to talk about, we don't normally get into politics into this game, but this is kind of relevant, and one that I think we've seen coming for, for quite some time. So there was a new bill that has been to the Senate, Senate Bill 6266, and it was on January 11th. And this is specifically in uh, requesting kind of the gambling on in Congress to look at loot box or RNG-style mechanics paid in video games, and if that should be classified and regulated either the same as or similarly gambling. So, you know, basically saying, should loot boxes be treated as a form of gambling? Uh, and you may have your own opinion on that, but I think that, you know, it's to see and, and expected that this eventually made it. To- Looks like there's three senators that are kind of backing this thing. Uh, there's going to be a public hearing on January 31st, and they're specifically looking at, you know, should it be regulated like gambling? Um, should minors be for permi- should they be permitted to engage in games that have this style loot box mechanic in it? And you know, should these games have to disclose the odds of? And we kind of saw something come out of China, where China government Chinese government was requiring that you have to list the chances of getting you know this item, this item, this item, and percentages out of the. And some companies have kind of gotten around the issue, but it's finally come to the U.S. government where they're looking at you know or something like that. Should it be treated as gambling? Should kids be allowed to engage in this? And, uh, you know, regardless of where you stand, I think it's certainly something worth keeping an eye on because it will certainly change a lot of things, you know, if they do come down with it for it has to be regulated. Because, like we talked about earlier in the show, a lot of games have this style of mechanic in, and it's kind of become a staple in a lot of games to have loot boxes. It should be a good one to watch. Yep. No, I think... I think this is the more money that is being involved in these things and the more kind of random press that they pick up, the more likely it is that, you know, somebody's going to look at these. And I I could be wrong, but I'm relatively sure that in some states, I'm pretty confident in some of the states, uh, video poker machines, like any kind of video gambling machine, stuff like that, uh, they actually have to have somewhere the odds are posted on them. Like it actually has to describe to you the numeric odds associated with the game um, as part of something they're supposed to have on the game. Otherwise, I can't run it. Um, It would not surprise me that that is a thing that gets looked at. Uh, But what's interesting about this is if when you look at, you know, we're talking about like generally this is brought to the fore because of these really huge big console titles. This kind of stuff has sort of been around in like mobile gaming, like on your iPad or your phone for a, like a, a pretty long time. It was in fact that was more or less how mobile games make money. 
and there were some some good stories about like you know some kid spends like five grand on on their mother's credit card just like push the button and you get stuff awesome yep yep no and, and that that absolutely can happen the um but it wouldn't surprise me if this actually generates some change now the interesting part to me is whether or not you get like some developers that want to inoculate themselves from really serious regulation by trying to like preemptively get in front of this thing and figure out figure out some way to uh, to address it because i think if they don't like the last thing i the last thing you want is nice you know the ubiquitous hey we're from the government we're here to help shit going on because uh, nobody will like that like nobody it's actually interesting you bring that up because apple is now requiring that all things on the app store that have a loot box style mechanic have to say apple that they need to have that as part of the thing if they want yeah it will be like i said i i think it's going to be uh, my I, I don't know how long it'll take to, to have this kind of stuff kind of sort of come out but i suspect uh when it's all said and done there will be some form of um you know, odds that have to be posted that, that have to be relatively well posted on a lot of the games or notify you in there somewhere about what your odds are. And, and it also wouldn't surprise me if there is some requirement for the ability to, to have greater parental controls, uh, because an interesting thing, I don't, I, I, I have not tested this out, but I've actually started to look into this. So at least with the PlayStation fours that we have in our house, I think there. I think some of the games now you link, you're linked to like basically third party websites for some of them. It's not necessarily directly through, or it doesn't have to necessarily be through uh, the PSN store. So if you buy something, I'm, I, I may be wrong, but it seems like there's some games that you might be able to buy directly from like an Ubisoft website, like the Ubisoft website or the, I think they the try, website. I think they try really hard to avoid that because I, I think so Sony too. and Microsoft want their cut. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I know you can always, you can always buy in-game currency. You can do all kinds of stuff that you want to do through that. But I, like, for example, Ubisoft, when you, when you, there's certain tabs you click on in the division that literally opens up the PlayStation web browser and takes you directly to their website to cash in certain things. And I know you can, I know for a fact, you can click down to buy this thing and just like you were doing on your web browser to do it. So I, I suspect PlayStation is a little smarter than that. I mean, they, you know, like I said, they want to make money off of it. So the vast majority of your stuff can do, go that way. But if there's any loopholes at all, that would have to be cleaned up uh, and then figure out a way to establish a little bit thicker parental controls uh, in terms of how, how money's used. I know on like my son's account, there's like a hard cap dollar amount. And it's like, I put money into the account from like, you know, like my credit card, right? And he can, and there's no way that he can generate any more money unless he comes to me and I go in, enter a little four digit pin code that's just for the parental controls to give him more money to do stuff on. Uh, but if they can't, they got to figure out something that, because when you get kids involved and then you get, you know, bad vibes involved with gambling and all this other kind of stuff, that's not, it's not a good mix. And I think the kids aspect of the way they drive this is exposing your children to gambling is basically going to be probably the mantra that is under it. Well, and that's the, the most... big thing because gambling, there's a legal age limit on it. And that's exactly. what, and if there's a hook that lawmakers can use to force change, it's, it's probably that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's absolutely alrighty. So I did want to talk about Monster Hunter World. It came out on Friday and I've been playing it for the last few days. To give my initial impressions. I've only been playing for a couple of days, so I can't give the full 
full grasp of the entire game, uh, but I did want to talk a bit about kind of how I felt about it so far. So kind of in line with what we were talking about before, like the beta and my experience then, the full game definitely feels like the beta did, which very, very good. I, I, I kind of went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be kind of fun. And then I played the beta. I was like, that was way more fun than I thought it would be. I was very pleasantly surprised. And so far in the game, uh, absolutely the same. It's very fun, very exciting. Particularly when you're playing it because of such, there's so much variety in the kinds of weapons you can get. There are 14 different weapons you can have. And they're all, almost kind of like a game within themselves because they're very unique mechanics and animation. Completely different. You've got different kinds of guns. You've got, you know, a spear that you, you know, jumps into the air in this air attacks. You've got this axe that do a sword like a spear with this giant gun built into it. Like it's, they're all over the place. They're giant, crazy, ridiculous, oversized weapons, but they're very unique, very exciting. And since they're so different from each other, you're playing kind of a different game. You change weapons, it's just so unique. So in terms of like replayability, just switching a weapon type can kind of, in a very simple way. So that's already like awesome. Like I'm just focusing on one right now, but I'm, I've got a list of things I want to try because they're cool. So that's a big part. Uh, visually, game is Absolutely gorgeous, fantastic. Uh, looks even better on a PS4 Pro. Libby's got a PS4 Pro, so we've been kind of giving it a shot on that. And you can have like the 60 frames a second, or you can have the enhanced graphics. Both make the game look fantastic. You've got that enhanced hardware. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, props to them on that. The gameplay is is smooth, but it is clunky in a very intense way. So one key thing about this is that there is no lock-on, per se. You can lock the camera onto a target, so the camera will always be towards the you're hunting. But as your like character swinging the sword around or the axe or whatever, you have to manually aim it all the time. There's no like it's going to always hit because facing. You can start swinging and just kind of going off into the distance as you're not you know aiming it properly. And the game does this intentionally because a lot of what it's there's a progression system like in terms of gear and, and crafting a big part of the game. But another big part is player skill in how you use the weapon because. They give you some basic combos. This is a heavy attack. This is a light attack. You, you know, in this combo, you'll get this, you know, this effect, whatever. Well, there's a lot more combos than what the game tells you. And so what happens is you start off doing things very basic. You're going to attack this way, use these combos. And you're going to kind of discover naturally over time different ways to enhance into a better player. And the game is very heavily focused on that very hard player skill. You have to know when to swing, when to dodge, when to jump, when to use one combo versus the other, when to you know, deal with this kind of monster attack. And it's not going to hold your hand and give you that free lock on. It's like, hey, you may want to target, you know, its legs because you have to break the leg to get a particular crafting from breaking the leg. Or you might want to target the head because the head is the weak point of the monster. It, it's in a way, and, and Jay might be it's a lot like World of Tanks where you've got different kinds of tanks have different weak points that are, you know, you kind of want to aim for this particular spot. Um, all the monsters are like that too. And there's actually like a guide, like this monster is weak to this element on its head or it's weak to this element on its leg. And, you know, you want to try to attack these points. So the game is very heavily this. You have to control what you're doing. Like you are in full control of your character and we're not going to hand you anything. You know, you've got to learn how to make this work on your own. So there is a very steep learning curve to that, um, but they do kind of naturally build you into it and you will improve the player over time simply to get better at playing the game and controlling your weapon and that's refreshing it, it's it's kind of fun like it at first i'm like oh god what the hell am i doing you know but once you kind of get the hang of it once you kind of get over that initial hump you're like okay okay i'm kind of getting this i'm figuring it out and it's just it's just going to go from there and that's that's a very rewarding and a very fun core game so i like the monsters are 
very unique. And it's I kind of laugh because it always seems like each monster is like they take like three animals that existed on Earth at some point and combine them in some weird way. So like the T-Rex, but it has like, you know, these wings that pop out and it can just jumping attack. It's kind of these weird hybrid of, you know, different things that look familiar, but not quite. Uh, and that's fun. But what makes it really good is that each major you know, large monster, which are kind of the, the main objectives in each hunt, they're very unique. The AI is always unique. They always have something that's very special and specific to that monster. Like, you know, one may have a burrowing attack where it goes under the swamp water and it'll come like a, do like an upward jumping attack and do a lot of damage. And one might grab, you know, nearby rocks or objects and try to, you know, smash them on you as you're attacking. And they're all very different. You kind of have to come up with a new strategy. And, you know, you have to think like, okay, with this weapon and this monster, man, like, how am I going to make this work? And how am I going to... And so there's a lot of planning. There's a lot of, you know, learn learning through failure. So you might go in, you might fail a mission, but you just approached it the wrong way. And you learn from your mistakes, you try again. The game does not heavily punish you for failure. In fact, you still get some reward if you fail. It wants you trying, trying to try, you know, to learn, experience, get better at it, learn the monster, learn the... And that's that's actually pretty good. I'm, I won't say it's like Dark Souls, but it is in the sense that, you know, failure is not a bad thing. It just, it's a lesson used to, to get better at things. So I like that a lot. The multiplayer is the love-hate I have with the game. So... Once you get into an instance with people and start hunting, it's fantastic. It's very smooth. I didn't have a lot of drops. You know, there weren't any lag issues, connects that sort of thing. But good God, getting the thing to actually be set up is such a pain in the ass. and It is not well explained that it's very, very hard to make it work. So the issue is, is that there's a main story, right? And there's cutscenes. Unless everyone in the party has seen all the cutscenes for that mission, you cannot group together. So what you end up doing is you go in to the mission alone, watch the cutscenes, abandon the mission, and then you rejoin as a group. To, it's Holy stupid. shit. It's stupid. It's, I, I don't know why they did it that way. It took Please tell me this thing doesn't have these like Metal Gear like seven and a half minute cutscenes. No, no. You, usually how it works is you go in, see a short cutscene, find a character in the world, see another cutscene, monster appears, now you're good to go. So once you get the monster to spawn, you're basically good to, to hop out of the game and, and jump back in. It's really annoying, um, but it's, it is what it is. And the good thing is, is that that really should only apply for the main story. So once the main story is over, all of the optional side quests and game stuff, those don't have cutscenes from my understanding, so you jump in normally. Uh, but it is kind of a, a minor annoyance that you have to just set up. So keep that in mind that that is not well explained. There are guides online. I suggest you look them up for how to get multiplayer to work because it's not intuitive. But once you get it going, it's really good. But we spent probably one and a half gaming sessions trying to get set up. That's a that's like my biggest gripe about it right now is multiplayer is very difficult to understand um, and to initially get going. But once you get it going, keep that in mind. Um, also, there are things called squads. Squads are kind of like kind of like clans in a game. So it, the advantage is that you can have multiple squads. Fine. So if you've got like a group of people you normally play with, I do suggest you go in and get a squad set up. And what that allows you to do, when someone enjoys the game, they can say, you know, find uh, like find a squad, like online squad session or whatever. And what that will do is it will basically pull you to their online session. So you've kind of got what I would say the equivalent of like Destiny's Tower where you can get like 16 people in the headquarters at once, and then people in that join on missions together. So what this will do is that create a squad-specific instance, and then people can join in on it. It makes the multiplayer a little bit easier to action. So 
Look up a squad system, get a squad set up. If you play with a particular group of people, it will save you a headache later on. That's just my advice. It took us about a, a night to figure that out, and that helped immensely. so I would do that. Um, like I said before, there is a learning curve, uh, and this is kind of the other downside of the game, is that this is like the fifth major installment in the franchise. The game, I think, overly assumes that you have played Monster Hunter before, and that kind of expects you to know what there's so much in this game that deliveries and bounties and expeditions and missions and hunts it's it's stuff that i'm sure has been added on to the series over time and so you know long long time fans are expecting me in there it is not well explained um there are tutorials popping up constantly but i feel like it is far enough and there's so much as lists online i'm looking at one right now it's like 17 things that monster hunter doesn't tell you that you probably should know <laughs> um so expect some frustration there and you know like i said it's getting set up is the hard part once you get your head around how this stuff works it's very very well designed it's just they are not going to hold your hand in getting there so keep that in mind don't let it frustrate you don't be afraid to look at some of the guides online there's some very very good stuff out there um i'm not going to defend that i think it should explain better but it's something to keep in mind that if you can get past that um it's a very, very, very good suggest that you give it a shot. It's worth it. Um, just expect, you know, maybe a day or two, your head around what. Um, also, uh, Palicos are NPCs that if you're playing in a group of one or two are basically battle cats. Um, like literally that they're like kittens that you put armor on and give them like death shovels, murder the shit out of. And they're there to kind of make up for a lack of teammates. Um, they're awesome and cool. And when the game has you do tutorial where you go to the canteen in the main headquarters, for the love of God, order a meal from the fucking cat guy cooking shit because the cutscene that follows is <laughs> hilarious. We're talking like Iron Chef shit with kittens. It's amazing. Um, and it gives you a buff for your next mission. So food's important, but if you're going to get food ordered at the canteen headquarters, because if, um, one last thing on Monster Hunter, they like to do weird crossovers. They aren't really afraid to kind of break the fourth wall with weird shit. So right now there is an event going for Horizon Zero Dawn, where you can get some Horizon Zero Dawn themed stuff, uh, armor for your Palico. Uh, That's cool. And then, yeah, and then in a couple of weeks, there's another one which they haven't detailed, but it's probably Horizon Zero Dawn stuff themed. So keep an eye um, on that. Don't they have Street Fighter skins in there? They do. They're going to yeah. be adding Street Fighter skins so you can play as uh, Ryu or Sakura. Those are free sure, skins. Yoken. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um you can play as you can play as them they're like outfits that they just kind of over they just cover up your armor those characters those will be, be free cool. yeah if you want the haruken or the shuken uh emotes those are gonna be four dollars but the skins themselves are free and will be added to um I, shortcoming if they were smart they would figure out how to get uh a digital chris pratt so you could be the the dude off like fucking jurassic park <laughs> Which would fit really well in that game, actually. It, it wouldn't surprise me, and with Jurassic World 2, you know, coming out in a bit here, that would actually be a pretty awesome. Oh, and they're also going to add a Mega Man skin for your, your Palico. But it's like 8-bit Mega Man, so it's all pixelated and running around and shit. Um, like I said, they don't care. They do weird stuff. Just kind of like, let's be honest here, you're a guy running around with a 12-foot sword hunting dinosaurs. We're going to put Mega Man in. Why not? No. So Monster Hunter World is a very fun, neat game. I'm really looking forward. I'm actually playing a little bit more after I get off the show here and uh, you know, we'll give a full review, but you know, initial impressions, 
absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot of the reviewing back, like 9 out of 10, uh, with my initial impression, I would agree. It's definitely up there, like a 9 out of 10. Um, very, very solid game. So if you like that sort of thing, uh, I would at least keep an eye on it, and I'll give a more full and robust review, probably just kind of the main scenario, and start getting... As we know, uh, many games, the scenario is great, and then the end game falls apart, so I want to make sure that, you know, I've got the whole experience before I give a whole uh, a review on that. But like I said, this is a long-running franchise. They're very confident in the quality of the product they've produced. It shows, and they're like, we don't, we're not going to do monetization. We're not going to do loot boxes like that. You know, we might sell you a couple, you know, premium emotes, maybe a skin here or there, but it's a straight buy because... You know, we don't want to mess around with that. We think our game is of high quality and we want to deliver that high quality and not, you know, taint it was kind of how they put it. So, you know, this is how games <laughs> how games should be, in my opinion. Um, just very high quality. You buy it once at the whole thing. It feels good. And they're not going to sit there and cram microtransactions in your throat the whole time. So Monster Hunter World, so far, 9 out of 10. Very solid. Highly suggest it and we'll get back to you. I, I, uh, I think that was a really good really good kind of review of it i gotta ask so like so if you were going to go the one out of ten route where do you put this one i'd say like a nine out of ten it's it's really there. Wow. yeah no it's okay it, it there's and i won't get into all the details but there's some design choices they've made where you kind of look at it and you're like oh that makes a lot of sense and that would have been horrible if they hadn't done it that way like crafting is a big part of the game right and so like if you have like a like a ranged weapon you have to craft ammo all the time oh shit be, and and at first i'm like that's gonna suck and then i saw a nice little button that says auto craft and basically as soon as you get the ingredients to make that bullet in your inventory it is automatically crafts the, the item and sticks it your so stuff that you're going to be using all I, the time i really want that in a lot of other games <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it's great you know um and you just don't worry about it just turn it on and you know what it's going to do and there's multiple like tiers right so like like an herb plus something makes a potion and a potion plus honey makes a mega potion. Well, you can kind of chain together those auto crafts. So as soon as you've got all of the components in that chain, boom, it just auto crafts the whole thing up to what you, um, or like, Hey, I always have potions in my inventory and you've got like a storage box. Right. And so you can only carry like 10 of an item at once. Let's say I've got like five of that item. I can just go up to my box and go, auto restock all and it will basically max out the stacks of all the stuff currently drawing it from my box so it's like you go in you hit one button resupplied yourself the like it's stuff like that where it's like little minor details where you're like this is what comes from having it that's been around for a long time because figured out that hate the little quality of life thing and it's in there and that's where it's just like this is so well designed I wish they'd explain it better because once you realize what they've done, it makes so much sense and the quality's there and it's great. You know, like you said, I wish more games would do stuff like that because, you know, you would see like, you know, I'll just say like division or whatever. If you had to craft ammo, you'd probably have to sit there and craft the ammo. I would have dropped that game faster than I did this time. Yeah. Eight, eight million freaking bullets because, you know, it takes at least 600 rounds to kill a guy in a hoodie. Um, <laughs> but having stuff like the auto craft, you're like, someone was thinking ahead, you know, or they had figured out in previous games that that sucked and fixed it already. And, you know, I haven't run into issues like that. I mean, everything is so well designed except the multiplayer because it's annoying, but everything else is fantastic. So hmm. that's why I give it such a high mark because I'm like, they know what they're doing and they are confident in what it absolutely. So, you know, I got to give them high props for that. We'll see if that rating goes down over time, but you know, so far, absolutely fantastic. Sounds good. Okay, so I think uh, 
I think I'm going to hold off on a couple more rooms some other uh, have been playing just because we're a little too far over gushing over Monster Hunter for longer than I expected. So um, we are going to go into, uh, we talked about last week, PS4 games for February are going to be this week. I'm going to talk about the Xbox game since it's not there. Uh, so if you have yeah. Xbox Gold. Bates, get... Bates back. Did, Bates Bates back. Did, did you get potted? No, I didn't. Uh, so uh, we had a Stradios hack in the Relic site and... Uh... I pinged for Jadig, Jadig came out in the Brudics, and uh, we killed the guy. Uh, the loot fairy was good to us, um, so the, the loot drop was absolutely fantastic. All right, uh-huh. Nick, do you want to tell us what's going on for uh, Xbox games, for Xbox Gold in February? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, for the entire month of February, uh, you're going to get Shadow Warrior on the Xbox One, and then for the, uh, the second half of the month to the first half of March, uh, you're going to get Assassin's Creed Chronicles India, um, not too terribly long ago, I think maybe three months ago, um, Assassin's Creed Chronicles China was free, uh, and that was a really good one. I, I quite enjoyed that uh, that game. So um, that's that's for the Xbox One, and for your 360 and your backwards compatibility, uh, you can get uh, two racing games. One is Split Second, and you'll have that for the 1st through the 15th, and then um, Crazy Taxi, which I believe is a... Uh, like a remaster of an older yeah. Love that game. That was um, an old arcade standby. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, it was. It, it was awesome. Oh yeah. wow! So that's the 16th through the 28th. All right, sounds good, man. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I did want to review Dungeon Dungeons 2, but I, I think it's probably best we shell that just so I can give you know collect my thoughts a bit better on it. We'll talk about that next week, and then we get back into arcade and doing at least one review for either a free game or something. So, anything else, guys? Before we go into shoutouts, is it no? Okay. So for me, shout outs. Uh, again, I don't usually go into politics, but Burger King has a video on Whopper neutrality and how it got repealed. Uh, it's, it's dumb. Sweet God. It's dumb. Um, kind, of, kind of explaining net neutrality in the terms of you know a fast food chain. Pretty funny. Uh, Lincoln. All right, Zell, you're up, man. Uh, I'm giving my shout out to sleep because I got a lot of it this weekend and it was wonderful. How many hours do you normally get a night, sir? About four and a half. That's normal. All right, Bate. This weekend, it was closer to like 12. All right, Bate. Shout out, man. (laughs) Wow, I think we need to give a shout out to Zell's mattress or something for giving him good sleep. (laughs) Go from four to 12. That's why That that must be it. That must be why he's so talkative tonight. Uh, I think my shout out right now is going to go to uh, this guy that I just killed, Oxygen Poison. Uh, Dark suggested I give him a shout out uh, on the podcast. So I did. Uh, and shout out to Jadik for, for coming to save my poor ass. Um, yeah, that, that, that's about it, I think. I don't really have anything else I want to shout out. All right, sounds good, man. And Jay, you're up. Okie dokie. Uh, shout out to the bomb that will be the Solo movie, the upcoming Star Wars movie, which comes out, I want to say, I think March, and there's not a trailer yet. Make of that what you will. Uh, other than that, uh, I'll give a shout out to Blizzard and what they're doing with to kind of change esports, uh, and which I think we're going to tease uh, a little bit, and we'll talk uh, I think in detail on the next show. But uh, if you haven't checked it out, even where the, even if you're a fan of Overwatch or Blizzard or whatever, look at what they're doing with Overwatch League. Just take a read on some stuff, and then uh, we'll have a chat about it next week. And those would be my shout outs. All right, sounds good, man. So just want to thank everyone for showing up on the show. It's good to have the gang back together, and thank you. For, as always, feel free to hit us up on biomass.com or biomass.net. Our contact information is there. If you want to talk about something or if you want to show, just uh, throw us in Discord or whatever you like, and uh, we'll talk. So, you know, everyone, thanks for tuning in, and you have a safe night.